Um, I'm forever grateful as one, um, one of five children uh, that are still alive um, to have been blessed with my mom and dad. Um, all of my siblings except for one are here uh, with us today um, and their families. And uh, we have this opportunity to honor uh, our mom and dad as scripture tells us. Uh, to honor our parents is often what I call the forgotten commandment, commandment number five, honor your father and mother. Today, uh, we have an opportunity to hear from the man and the woman that not only uh, provided for us as children with uh, money and food and a home over our head, but we get to hear uh, from people who have impacted uh, my life and, and greatly uh, influenced who I am today as an individual. Uh, not everything was great. Not everything was terrible. And uh, though at many times as a child and a teenager, um, I probably ran away from my parents yelling in some form or fashion and slamming the door uh, to my bedroom because I didn't understand why they were doing the things that they were doing. And now as a father, I look back and I thank God every day that he blessed me with the parents that he did. He blessed me with a couple that strived to do the will of God, even, even in their failures. And, and so if you would, please welcome with me to the stage, the platform, uh, my mom and dad, John and Carmen Cahill. Please don't trip. <laughs> you guys' microphone's on? I don't know. Can you hear me? Can you hear us? You want to go ahead and turn that up wherever you are? Oh, okay. Can you hear me now? Okay. <laughs> so... Um, I've asked my mom and dad to kind of start out, and I'm going um, to hopefully uh, kind of host uh, today and, and kind of help them keep things moving along because we, uh, we have a, a time period. Um, just so you guys know, if I look at my watch, it means absolutely nothing um, at all. And so we're just going to keep going until we get through it. So I'm glad you guys are um, able to stay until 2 or 3 o'clock this afternoon. Uh, yes. <laughs> I'm just joshing you. Um, <laughs> um, and so I'm going to go ahead and hand it off to my mom and dad, and I've asked them to kind of just start out and tell us very briefly a little bit about their upbringing, their childhood, uh, so you guys got a picture of kind of where they came from, uh, and, and then we'll go from there. So, um, mom, if you want to go ahead and start out. Okay. First thing I'm going to do is um, read this passage that I felt like the Lord wanted me to read. And I've kind of been standing on it all week. Or we have one of them anyway. <laughs> uh, but the Lord said to me, do not say, I am only a child. Too loud. <laughs> you must go to everyone I send to you and say whatever I command you. Do not be afraid of them, for I am with you and will rescue you, declares the Lord. Then the Lord reached out his hand and touched my mouth and said to me, 
now, ha now I have put my words in your mouth. See, today I appoint you over nations and kingdoms to uproot and tear down and to destroy and overthrow and to build and to plant. I had stars back there a minute ago before I got up here. Um, my childhood, a little bit about my childhood. Um, I was the youngest. I had two um, older sisters, and they were A and B students. And I liked the rest of the alphabet, <laughs> the C's, D's, and F's. <laughs> so I was more like uh, nature and outdoors and outside. I was depressed a lot as a child, and I was really lonely a lot. But I remember feeling like there was always somebody beside me, and I didn't understand who it was, which it was the Holy Spirit I know now, protecting me. And But I always was very lonely and depressed and sad, and our house was, uh, uh, it was a very perfectionistic home. Um, Everything was in its place, every cupboard, every shelf, every room, which kind of tended to go over onto me <laughs> when our kids were younger, you know, like, they had a spot on their clothes, I flipped out, but, uh... She's still that way. <laughs> <laughs> oh, boy. Um, my dad was gone a lot, he was a mechanic, and he was gone a lot, and my mother was home, and... She suffered with depression a lot of her life, and I was very protective over her, even though I was the youngest. And uh, my two older sisters were out of the house quite early, so I was there, you know, and my mom and I didn't see eye to eye on much of anything. She was a Christian, and she had become a Christian, and she taught me about the Lord. Um, she would read scriptures over us, and but there was always double messages, um, you know, here's, she would read over me. Like one time I had a nosebleed and she would read over me. And I can't remember where the verse is, but I think it's in Ezekiel, something about blood. Because my nose just, just kept bleeding all the time. And she would get the Bible out and, you know, just my nose stopped bleeding, never bled again. But then there would be all these other messages of, uh, that we didn't quite measure up too much of anything. And I love my parents to pieces. They were the best parents. They're both in heaven. I'm so thankful for that. And I don't want to speak ill of them at all. But I'm just saying um, quite basically the same. Uh, when I met John, there, there was still a lot of things going on. And as I got older, the older I got and the more I could say stuff out my mouth. <laughs> You know, we got, we got along less and less, uh, better, my mom and I. But um, I don't know what else. So, <clears throat> Dad, why don't you tell them a little bit about your upbringing, and then we'll transition from there into how you guys met sure. and, and go from there. Um, I grew up in a Christian home. Just talk louder. No, <laughs> <laughs> Hello? Testing, testing. Can you guys hear him now? Okay. Okay. Here, just yeah, don't just... drop that in your coffee, okay? Yeah, okay. <laughs> You're replacing it. Anyway, 
Well, that's pulling on me now. Is it still working? Ooh. If we have to, we'll get a handheld. Okay, no, I don't want my handheld. <laughs> anyway, um, I was raised in a Christian family. Um, my dad grew up Catholic and got saved in the early 60s um, when he met my mom. Um, I got saved when I was 10 years old at a Southern Baptist church at a revival. Um, baptized about two months later um, down in Florida. We, uh, we lived down in Florida. My dad was in the military. He, he retired in 70s, we moved up here. This is where all the, both my mom and my dad's families were from. Um, so we moved up here. Um, we went to church up here all the time. It was more of a requirement in the family that we went to church, and that's what we did. Um, we, we always served in the church in one way or another. Um, uh, my parents later, after my dad retired the second time, missionaries um, and it's been called campsite mission uh, evangelism yeah, campsite evangelism uh, basically they put on church services and campsites for weekends and stuff like that um, both my parents are gone now my dad died six seven years ago of cancer my mom followed 20 months later A lot of times I got kind of ticked at God for that. Especially with my dad. Um, he was dying. We lived up here. They were in Florida. And hospice came in and they said, oh, he's probably got about a week. So Carmen and I and George and Tether packed up in the car and we took off to go down there and spend some time with him before he passed. We got two hours down the highway and they called and said he passed already. 12 hours after he left, which they didn't. Hospital said he was. Guess I'm not supposed to say this, or I'm really supposed to say it. <laughs> uh, anyway, uh, I was kind of ticked about that, and I think I was ticked at God for that. But um, anyway, that's all I'll say for now. We'll go on. Go ahead, Josh. Okay. And so you guys met at church, right? Mm -hmm. You guys met at church, and you really didn't want to go on a date uh, with him. There was there were supposed to be two couples, double date, right? And you didn't want to go on a date with him, mm -hmm. and then they got married. <laughs> um, and so yeah. kind of tell us, tell us what happened. You guys met, um, uh, and then you guys you guys got yeah. married shortly after that. So t why don't you tell us a little bit about that and the early, the early years of your marriage and okay. what was going on um, at that time. You don't want me to tell about the date why I didn't want to go? Oh yeah, you can, you can <laughs> tell them why it. I didn't want to go. <laughs> go for it. Oh, my, best, my mom wanted me to go to church and I was a teenager and I was just doing all this crazy stuff and I had been saved when I was 10 also. But um, anyway, my best friend, I said, come to church with me, come to church with me because I'm going to be bored out of my wits, and she said, okay, so she, his best friend and her apparently wanted to go out together. They, they end up, you know, meeting, and so they're like, back then, you know, you, your parents were like, well, you have to double date, 
some parents said that, you know. So they're like, will you go out with this guy so we can go together? And I'm like, well, where is he? Because if he's ugly, I'm not going. <laughs> That's why she didn't want to go. <laughs> <laughs> so they're like right over there. So I looked over there at the doorway, and I, was, I saw him standing in the church doorway, and I was just like, oh, well, he's okay, I guess. <laughs> no, he, I thought he was really cute, but I was like done with men at that point because I had been in abusive relationships and everything. So we went out, and, and six months later, we got married. Yep. And that was 41 years ago. Yep. I was still in high school. We got married on spring break. Yes. Um, spring break my senior year. Um, my last two months of school were very, very difficult to go to. Um, <laughs> but made it. <laughs> difficult for me. Yeah. Well, to get you to get up to go. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> true. True. Uh. Um, after that, um, I was supposed to go in the military two months after we got married. And, of course, when the time came, as soon as I graduated, I was supposed to go into the Air Force. And um, I didn't want to anymore. So I went Why down. Why was that? Huh? Why was that? Because of my baby. <laughs> uh, so, uh, so anyway, um, I was able to get out of it. And, but then uh, about nine or ten months into our marriage, uh, I hated my job. Um, so I said, you know what, I can still go in. All I got to do is go back and tell them I want to. So I ended up going in the service. Um, just before I left, um, we found out that Carmen was pregnant, um, like just before I left. So, um, so I went ahead and went. Um, I knew that you know, I was going to have a guaranteed job and we we're going to have health insurance and everything else uh, through the military. Um, I ended up being in basic training, which is not a really fun place to be on your first wedding anniversary. Um, so, uh, so that's where I spent that, and she spent it at home alone, pregnant. Um, so, uh, so anyway, go ahead if you want to. Okay. <laughs> um, I kind of lived, I kind of went back and forth from my sister's house to my mom's house, and I was pregnant with our first baby, and then he came home for like two days, I think, yeah. when, when he was in tech school. Yep. And then he had to go back again, and, uh. Then when he finally did come back for, you know, we took off to our first base, which was Minot, North Dakota. And I don't know if you've ever been out that way, but there's nothing. <laughs> nothing except flat land and nothing and prairie dogs. They say Minot isn't the end of the world, but you can see it from there. Yep. <laughs> and, uh, boy, I don't know how long we were there, a couple months? Yeah, maybe two we, months. We had a little apartment. We fought like crazy, though. Yes. We fought and fought and fought and fought and fought and constantly. And we brought all our baggage into the marriage. Like, my, my family was really extreme and overboard and, and uh, perfectionistic and we're the only ones that know anything. We're the only ones that uh, very prideful. And said whatever they wanted to say out their mouth, whenever they wanted to say it, no matter, with no filter whatsoever. And then his family was very... Complete opposite. Only really. talk about food. <laughs> <laughs> only talk about the weather. Only talk about uh, 
I don't know, like int interesting things, yeah. you know, atmosphere or something, you know, like very uh, quiet about yeah. anything personal and private. Didn't share feelings. No, and my family has blurted it out all over you. Yeah. And so you imagine those two uh, dynamics together. <laughs> but anyway, so we got out there, we were out there a couple months, and uh, we were fighting one day, and I believe one of us threw a chair across the room, and I took off walking. I took off outside. By then I was big, pregnant, and I clearly heard the Holy Spirit say, you're not gonna have this baby because you're not ready. And at that moment, he died in my stomach. Well, I didn't know it was a boy at that time, but you know, the baby died. And I went home and I told him after a couple of days and we kept like trying to get people to help us and no one would listen. We had the, he said, there's a doctor upstairs, so I'll go talk to him and I'll tell him. And he told him and he said, oh, she's fine, she's fine. And finally, I carried him for 10 days after that. And we finally went to the hospital and you know, they did the ultrasound, and we're both sitting there, tears rolling down our face, um, no heartbeat, which I knew, you know, for quite a few days prior to that. And uh, then, then things got really bad. Yeah. <laughs> things got a lot worse because, uh, of course, both of our parents drove all the way out there, 12-hour trip, uh, to come support us. But everything made me angry at that point. I didn't want to look at anybody. I didn't want to talk to anybody. Nothing's... Uh, comforted me. Um, I had 12 hours of labor and knowing I'm not going to take this baby home and then they didn't let me hold it. They barely let us look at it. They were really weird about it and then kind of blamed me um, and said, well, why didn't you come in and why didn't you, how come you waited so long? And so it was just like rejection, rejection and, and a lot of, and then um, I'll let you, I, oh, and then my parents said, come home with me for a couple weeks. You need to get out of here. And so I said, I said to him, I said, will you be okay? Will you be okay if I go? And he's like, oh, yeah, I got, I got classes all week. And I guess we had, we had moved. We lived on base at that time. And so I went home for two weeks. I think a lot of it was, was. Uh, Can you repeat what you were saying? Because there are a lot of people that couldn't hear you. What happened again? when she left? Yeah. About a week after she had left, I, I was not okay with everything. I, I actually didn't deal with Daniel's death for probably 12 or 14 years afterwards before I actually was able to deal with it. Um, anyway, I, I met somebody. And I had a short affair with her, this woman. And um, we, um, I never said anything when Carmen came back, although she could tell something was off. She's pretty good at that. Even today, she's still good at that. Uh, no matter what I'm doing, she knows what it is. And it doesn't matter where I am. <laughs> X-ray vision. <laughs> Um, 
anyway, and it was a, a couple of months afterwards before Carmen found out about that. We were actually helping another couple yeah. and that were having problems. And uh, I found out through that, uh, yeah, anyway, make long story short, I found out through that. And so I confronted him and yeah, go ahead. And I, I don't know what else to say really. Oh. She confronted me and I, I did confess to it. Um, not before she confronted me, but um, which was wrong of me. I should have come right out with it to start out with as soon as she came back. Um, anyway, she was going to leave me. You can tell that part because... I had everything packed. Before you guys go any further, I have a okay, question. A question really that I'd like to ask that um, I believe that, um, you know, when, when we get put into places where um, we have maybe what I would call a secret sin, so, something that's been going on in our lives that we've been attempting to keep under wraps. Um, like it's hard uh, to live with that. David, I believe, spoke very well in Psalm chapter 32 where he said, my bones were crying out within me uh, because of, of what he had done. And so I have a question for you, Dad. What, what was going on, just very quickly, what was going on internally in you uh, following that when mom came back um, knowing that you hadn't said anything? I, I felt like a failure. I felt like a failure. And I was, when she said that, you know, her family is full of pride, we're both full of pride, both of us are full of pride and we're extremely, extremely stubborn. Um, and I was too prideful to say anything. And then, of course, once she found out, I had no choice but to say something. Um, so, so that's really, that, sure. you know. There's, there's this um, unsettling feeling for the life of a believer uh, when choosing to sin um, and offending a holy God. There's something within us. Uh, the Holy Spirit works within within the life of the believer, uh, making uncom like making us uncomfortable in our sinfulness, and um, there there is a weight that is lifted off of one's shoulders when confession occurs. Doesn't mean you're not going to sin again. Doesn't mean you might not fall into that same trap again. But there's a weight that's lifted off of the individual who who makes the confession. I did this. I'm going to take ownership for. Uh, for this and and so if you're and before we go any further if you're in here this morning I would I would just encourage you I would encourage you uh, you will only make it so far in your covered sin uh, you will only make it so far um, and, and if you continue uh, to push away the conviction of the Holy Spirit in the midst of that sinfulness you'll become an individual that the Bible calls one with a seared conscience one who no, no longer listens uh, to the Holy Spirit in your life and that's a very dangerous and very scary place to be. And so if you're here and you're like, I need help, um, we're going to give you one an opportunity to come forward this afternoon or this, as soon as we're done here. Uh, but I, I would highly recommend you seek the Lord and ask, who can I go to? Who can I turn to uh, for help in the midst uh, of whatever it is that you're walking through? So go ahead. Okay. Um, he went to work and I... 
I asked God when he was gone what to do, and I had all my stuff packed. My mom had my plane ticket. I asked the Lord what to do, and the Lord's like, well, you know what I want you to do. I don't, you know, believe in divorce, so. So he walks back in the door in his u uniform, and I was like, oh, man. He's so cute, and I love him, but I also <laughs> felt like I hated him at that point in time, you know. So I stayed, and I just, I wanted to be obedient, but it was, I was on my knees every day sobbing hysterically, and way back then, you could listen to the radio, um, James Dobson was on there, and I would listen to him every day and just sob my guts out, and I couldn't even eat. I lost like 12 pounds in a week, and so we finally got together, and I said, what should we do? We, we both asked each other what to do, and we prayed together, and we claimed um, there's this thing called a dream sheet in the Air Force, and you can you can fill it out, and you can write down your where you want to go to a different base. Like you, it's a dream sheet, you know, like your your dream of where to go. And so I we got together and prayed, and I said, "Where do you want to go?" And he said, "Alaska." And I said, "Let's go, let's go." And so two weeks later, the Lord answered our prayer, and His dream sheet came down, and it said Anchorage, Alaska, Elmendorf Air Force Base. And by that time, I mean, how long were we there before we had destiny? Or was I pregnant before we got there? No. No. So anyway, we had destiny. Our, she's back there, <laughs> our oldest daughter. Um, but I was terrified because I, um, I was scared she was going to die because our first baby died, and I was hysterical, and I had all this fear all over me. So... In comes the next verse of our, um, this verse has made such an impact on our life. I can't find it. <laughs> Just a second. Um, it's in your market right there. I don't know what I'm doing. <laughs> Hold on, just one second. There. <laughs> um. The thief comes not but to steal and kill and destroy, and I have come to give you life and give it to you more abundantly. And so the, the thief, you know, stole our first baby because of our sins or because of our ignorance or whatever the reason was. I don't, I'm not really worried about that, but then we just claimed life for our next baby, and we had her, and I was never so happy in my entire life. Mm -hmm. People would come wherever we were. They would come from the other side of the mall and come over and say, your baby I just can't believe how beautiful. And it was just this glow about her that the Lord had just put on her. And uh, then I don't remember what happened. <laughs> <laughs> we lived in Alaska like two and a half years. Yeah, three, three, three years. Almost three years. We loved it there. We found a church. It was a Southern Baptist church, but it wasn't, they weren't underneath the convention of the Southern Baptists. They were more like evangelical, you yeah. know, and they were just awesome. And we had so many friends, we couldn't even... We couldn't even get enough of it. Yeah. We had so much fellowship and so many friends, and they were Christians, and it was just amazing, and it was just a very high time. It's actually a church that I went to 20 years earlier. Yes, that's how because we... Because when my, my dad was in the service, we got stationed in Alaska, and we went to the same church. Um, and that was back in 1964 when the huge earthquake hit Alaska. We, we had just moved there like three months earlier. I was like two years old. 
So, uh, but anyway, so it was the same church that they had attended yeah. um, 20 years earlier. So, so you guys, you guys leave Alaska, you get out of the service, yep. you have a bunch of kids. Um, <laughs> we were pregnant with Lindsay okay, yeah, when right. we, before we came back. Right, yeah. and then you guys moved to the massive city of Belding, yes. Michigan. Yep. Um, <laughs> we lived there eight, I, eight I was years. I in the Air Force. Um, so when we got out, I got on the reserve force in Belding, and I was up there for about six years as a volunteer police officer. Um, it, it was always something wrong, though. Yeah. It was always something wrong in our marriage. I knew in my heart and in my guts, I felt like our whole marriage, I went, something's wrong, something's wrong, something's still wrong, something's wrong. And I just knew it, and I just... I would grieve over it like a death um, in my heart and in my mind. And I just, I couldn't handle it. Sometimes I felt like I was literally going crazy because I knew that he was still keeping something from me. Yeah. And I didn't know what it was. So me not being the type that shares anything, um, you know, everything that I went through you know, during military, which really, military was, you know, aside from how they treat you in basic training, um, really was just another job. Um, but um, I was talking to Gordy here the other night when I was a reserve officer, some of the things that you see as a cop, you just can't unsee. And of course, I never shared some of that. I mean, I might've talked to Carmen about, yeah, this is what happened but it still doesn't how it impacted it, you right i never went into how it made me feel inside or what i you know i just always packed all that down i don't need to talk about it i don't need to talk about it i just pack it down i'm fine i'm fine you know and i continued to live my life like that um but uh he was sort of disconnected throughout the whole marriage and yeah um I knew he was a good guy. I just, I didn't know what was wrong. I didn't know what was going on. I didn't know the reasons behind, you know, uh, the secrecy or, or, or yeah. whatever. Because I was always there by his side. On every endeavor <laughs> or every, you know, whim, I would be by his side. And I just thought, I don't know what I'm doing wrong. Don't. There was a lot of rejection emanating, you know, from the both of us. Like, I would reject him and browbeat him because of, you know, my home life. And then he would reject me and not tell me a thing. No matter, no matter what it was, he wouldn't tell me. No matter what it was, no matter how he begged and cried and pleaded and prayed and no matter what. And so there was a lot of walls, a lot of walls and a lot of anger, a lot of resentment, a lot of fighting, uh, always chaos. When the kids were little, I don't remember fighting a lot, although Destiny <laughs> remembers one time her Barbie doll's head got broke off <laughs> and thrown across the room. <laughs> but um, I don't remember, I remember being, after that thing in North Dakota, I was never the same person again, and I just remember being very angry, and, and I was very pressed down, and I was not the same person, because he rescued me, and he was my knight in shining armor, and my eyes were on him, him. And 
he was on a pedestal so high, I wouldn't let nobody touch him. You know, even, you know, and so instead of me glorifying God and glorifying Jesus, all my life I glorified him because he was my knight in shining armor. He rescued me up out of my home life. And I had all my eggs in one basket and had my eyes focused on him. And so because of that, right, so every time a situation occurred, um, yep. the pain was magnified because it was like the, the idol, so to speak, the, the God in her life was, was destroying her, essentially. Yes. Because she, she had elevated humanness to the place of God. And, and so uh, I want to jump kind of ahead and we're, we're going to skip kind of a big, a big chunk of life. Um, but I want to kind of take us now ahead. So like you, you've got five children, yep. four daughters, and then your beloved son. <laughs> um, oh boy. Oh boy. And um, I have to get jabs in when I can. <laughs> Um, right, so you, you've, got, you've got children, um, your, your children are growing, we, we moved to Indiana uh, because of your job, like because of the job that you took, uh, we were plugged in at this church, and uh, we ended up back here in Michigan, um, because really like the pa- one of the patriarchs of our family, um, my mom's dad passed away, mm-hmm. um, an influential man. Um, in our city, in our church, in our family, um, was gone, uh, was just gone. And so we moved back here, mm-hmm. right? Yep. And it was a nightmare. You're right. <laughs> it wasn't, it, we had prayed about it, but I guess we went more on our flesh yeah. than we did. And I don't really, it's a lot kind of blurry there for me. Like he was gone all the time because yeah. he was a private investigator at yeah. that point. So for 10 years straight, he was gone. Just yeah, gone. I would usually leave on Monday morning and come home Friday or Saturday. Because I worked in the entire state of Michigan, so we were, we were all over the place, you know. And we were living in Indiana, so we thought, well, this is our opportunity to move to Michigan. At least I would be home more um, because some of my work was Grand Rapids, you know, Nuego, Lansing. You know, if I live in Indiana, I have to stay the night if I live in Belding, I don't have to. Yeah. You know, so so that's one of the reasons that we moved up here is to be a little bit closer to my work. Um, and then about three years into it up here, um, we had been to my parents and a sister of mine lived in Florida, lived in Florida, and we went down on vacation because we always did that once a year we'd go down, and this time we went down and. I started looking for some work down there. And we kind of talked about it and we kind of decided that we wanted to move down there. So I came back here and I actually got my boss here to start an office in Florida. And then I was just gonna go down there and do the same job I do, but in Florida for the same company. So we got that all lined up and we were gonna move down there in August and and um, these two, didn't want to. <laughs> so, so we conspired. So of course Not that, really. that made me mad because we had worked so hard to get everything going down there. And 
So we said, okay, we're not going to go. Well, then December of that year rolls around, and I said, we're going. We're so, going. We're going. So the day after Christmas, we left. Um, we packed up everything. Carmen was sicker than a dog. A warning. A warning, yes. A warning sign. I couldn't even yeah. eat ice chips the morning we had to drive for like 15 hours. Yeah. I couldn't even hardly stand up. So we, we uh, still went because I was controlling that, and that's what, we, that's what I wanted, and that's what we were doing. So we moved down. We get down there the, the, the next day. <coughs> we live across the driveway from my parents. <laughs> like ten, it was like it was like maybe twenty feet from our door to their door. Um, close, like like you could reach out and slap hands outside yes. of your window. Close. Um, so. So that added a lot of fun yes, stress. That to added the marriage. stress to the whole thing, and on top of moving, and on top of nobody really wanted to, anyway. So we get down there, and the company that we had started down there wasn't doing very well. We weren't picking up a lot of clients. Florida, being the state that it is, is kind of flooded with private investigators because there's a lot going on down there. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, <laughs> yes. So, so, um, so it was kind of slow going, and I, find, I finally ended up finding another company, so I was working for two or three companies at one time, doing, so it was finally starting to go. But in the meantime, I needed her to go to work. And I couldn't um, work because every time I would have a job, I would have panic attacks so bad, I would almost faint, and I'd freak out, like, in my mind. Like, you couldn't really tell by looking at me, but I would literally freak out and freak out and freak out, and then I would just quit, like, a day after I got the job. Yeah. And I would just have all these panic attacks so bad that I couldn't, I couldn't breathe. And so he's like, you got to go to work full time. And I'm like... I hate you. <laughs> <laughs> so um, so uh, we were going to church. We started going to church as soon as we got down there. Um, it was just a little hick Southern Baptist church. <laughs> it was like, it, well, it was it all 90-year-old people. I say, we were, we were like, in our 40s, youngest and we were the youngest people. The youngest yeah. family. Um, there were some a few other kids. I think you know, the children's ministry and the youth ministry consisted of myself and my siblings. <laughs> yep, I'm pretty, pretty sure much. that's what and it was. And your cousin. Um, oh, and our yeah, and my cousin. But but we went there anyway. It was where my parents went, and um, we did like the pastor. Yeah, he was nice. Um, his wife, not so much. Uh, <laughs> and I'll explain that. Oh my gosh! <laughs> Scratch that from the recording. Yeah. I'll explain that. No. Um, anyway, we were down there probably nine or ten months, and uh, the kids were going to the school there, and, yeah, we, only, and we only lived about a block and a half from the junior high in the high school. Anyway, so Kether and Jordan were going to school there, and they had these friends, and all of a sudden these friends started coming to our house and hanging out. And Josh was at school. And, well, Josh was too, but his yeah, friends school. never came over. His friends weren't like yeah, that. Yeah, because yeah. of our house. Like. <laughs> so, so anyway, I did everything I um, could to. There leave was one our kid, house. one kid in particular, um, who uh, what's that? I won't say his name. <laughs> we'll call him Pete. Deceiver. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, anyway, he um, he kind of ended up 
practically living with us. And he was a friend of Jordan's. And, and he was a decent kid, I think. And anyway, so we told him, if you're going to stay at our house, you're going to go to church. Oh, okay. So he went to church with us. Well, he was—he had really long blonde hair, and he wore all black Hood. and black uh, bondage pants with all the chains hanging off of him, and all this kind we of stuff. We didn't see the problem. We didn't have a problem <laughs> with it, but we went to church, and after he'd been to church a few times with us, the pastor's wife—this is where that comes in—told us that she didn't want us bringing him in there anymore because people were afraid of him. So. so we got angry. We got angry, and we stopped going to church, period. We didn't go there. We didn't go anywhere. The first time in our, at that time, 25 years of marriage that we didn't go to church, mm-hmm. and that was not good. That's when everything... That's, everything down there started hitting rock bottom really fast. Go ahead. Um, the, the kids, they brought, Kather and Jordan brought like eight or ten kids home every night. And um, they were all questionable. <laughs> but I, I had this huge thing in my mind, like, oh, I'm going to witness to these kids, and I'm going to lead these kids to the Lord. And uh, they ended up just, like, infiltrating our home, take, taking over. I mean, breaking everything, eating all our food. Uh, just, I, it was mad chaos. Doing seances in the backyard. Yeah, they brought, they brought a know. satanic Bible into our home. They brought... Um, at one point, they brought a gun into our home. We'll get to that later, though, if we get time. Yeah. But um, just to. all this mad chaos, like crazy, crazy, crazy stuff. Well, here I am, a Christian, right? Well, I'm, I'm a resentful, rebellious child against my husband because he says, you got to work full time, and I'm the one that brought us down here. And I'm like, I don't like you no more. So... So I was really rebellious against him from everything that had happened throughout the beginning of our marriage. And I just started conforming and hanging around all these kids. And I started wearing skull t-shirts and skull tennis shoes and Converse. <laughs> <laughs> and that was a big thing then. And my, all my clothes was skull this and skull that and black eyeliner and black hair and black clothes. And, We'd go, to, we'd go to the store together at Walmart, and there'd be six or ten or so of us, and everybody would just walk the other way, like freaked out by us. Now, or they would come up and ask if we would sell them some drugs or something. And we just, I guess we just looked like really terrible people. And it'd be 95 degrees, I'd have a black hoodie on and zipped all the way up, and we just, I don't know. Now, personally, I thought that was hot. Oh my gosh. Just so you guys know. Oh my gosh. <laughs> anyway, go ahead. <laughs> yeah, but one day one day he came up to me though and he said, I don't even know you anymore. Yeah. I don't even know you. And I said, What do you mean? And he goes, Well, look at you. And I looked down and I had lost 50 pounds and I looked pretty good, I thought. But I didn't notice my skull t-shirt and my skull bracelets and but anyway, this one certain kid that was not the kid that we kind of took in as our son, the first kid he was talking about, but this other kid, um, he was literally saying curses over our family, and Jordan and I found out um, that there was, we, we dug around, and once we like had some senses for a couple seconds, because at that point in time, my eyes were so glazed over by the devil, and so the scales were so thick, and just kept adding it, I feel like, um, 
But one time we dug around in his book bag and we had found this thing and didn't he insert our names in there or something on those uh, mm -hmm. curses? Yeah. yeah. And I just hung around with my daughter and like, I would just be like, bye, John. I'll go yeah. with Jordan and all these kids. And he'd be like, what? Get back here. You know, and I'd be like, uh, no, not doing nothing you say. And so anyway, it just spiraled completely out of control. It was a mid midlife crisis without the affair. Um, and there was, there was like from a child's perspective, um, so at that point, I was the oldest in our home out of the siblings that were still living at home. And there was so much chaos uh, constantly mm -hmm. in our house. There was no peace ever. No. Um, never. Um, have you ever been in those situations where like you walk into a room and it's like my peace is now gone. My joy is just gone because I'm in, I'm in this presence. There was, there was so much uh, like demonic and spiritual activity occurring in our home. I'm not talking like we were getting pulled off of our bed like you see in stupid movies. Um, but I'm talking about um, the, the, the area in which we lived was so and still is so spiritually mm -hmm. oppressive. Mm -hmm. um, there was a freedom in walking away from where we lived in Florida. Uh, there was a freedom from, from the, the entire mess um, and, and I don't know if they'll mention this or not, but where we attended, where I was on staff at church was not too far from where we lived in Florida. It was just a few minutes. Oh, yeah. um, and we had a satanic church just a few blocks uh, from where, we, where I lived, where we lived, and where we ministered for the last 10 years before we came here to the well. There was a satanic church that was right there. And some of the kids that came into our home were affiliated mm -hmm. with the satanic priests uh, there. Yep. They were praying against, uh, against our family um, in multiple different ways. And we were seeing those things come to fruition mm -hmm. uh, in the way that uh, the interactions were occurring in our home. The fighting, this, this constant screaming, the constant chaos from you know, 8, 10, 12 um, middle and high school students coming into our house and bringing satanic Bibles in and, and just all of the, the crazy things that were occurring in our homes. So this is when they say like things were spiraling, that's what was going on in our house. Yeah. That's yes. what was going on in our life. Yeah. Um, and those things cause strangleholds. They cause strangleholds in the life of a family and they suck the life right out of you. Complete, um, complete life. Uh, being removed when we when we give an open door an open window um, uh, to Satan and his his demonic presence to work in the lives of our kids or in our homes um, he will take every inch yep. that we give him every inch in every every avenue every form every facet uh, he will take and he moves very quickly why well because Satan doesn't want the family to represent God Satan wants families destroyed. He wants marriages broken apart. He wants children uh, pulled away from honoring mom and dad. He wants families to not be a part uh, of anything that aligns with scripture. And so this, this is what essentially is going on mm -hmm. in our, our home. Mm -hmm. And so now uh, I need us to kind of, for time's sake, I need us to kind of fast forward to right before you guys moved back to Michigan. Yep. And then we're going to kind of jump from there to more of a current the last okay. couple of years, and then we'll kind of close it up from there. So, Well, we hung out at the bar all the time because I drank and smoked and just like there was no tomorrow. I just pretty much turned my back on I, the Holy Spirit. Not to get, don't get me wrong, 
whole time the Holy Spirit was like, what are you doing? What are you doing? What are you doing? And I'd be like, whatever I want. Uh, Kether, our youngest daughter, she got rejected by me, which that's not even like me. I would, I would act completely out of character. Um, I would just do these things and I'd be like, what am I doing, you know? And so we hung out at the bar all the time and he was with me. He was just sitting there drinking iced tea. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. But anyway, one night at the bar, um, the Holy Spirit's like prompted me, which I really wanted to share that today because no matter how far you are off base or how bad things seem, the Lord is still right there. No matter what you're doing, no matter how dumb you are, how, how good you are, whatever, he's still right there working. And at the bar, the Lord told me to tell John that those kids had brought a gun to our house. And I was like, oh boy. Because I couldn't talk to him about anything because he'd just flip out no matter what it was. And uh, so I ended up telling him and the Lord told me to get our family out of that state before there wasn't nothing left of us, like either physically or at all, you yeah. know. And so I went out to him and I said, I'm Carmen right now. I literally said, I'm Carmen because I would act in all these ways that were just totally demonic. And things would come over me that I allowed, you know, and uh, I said, I'm Carmen right now and I gotta tell you something. And so I told him and, and we left. We two left days two days later. We left. We left and. Uh, well, we left, I, I, I brought them up here, uh, Jordan and Kether and, and Carmen. And um, I still had a stack of work to do down there, so I went back. Um, and I remember I dropped her off at her sister's and I tried to take a nap. We drove straight through up. I tried to take a nap because I had to drive straight through back because I had work in, in like 36 hours or something. And I remember telling Carmen before I left, I said, I'm not sure I'm ever going to see you again because these kids were bad. Yeah, they they were bad news. They wanted and they were gonna they claimed if I wanted something done they would you know do away with him and I'm like what are you even talking yeah. about because I would I would vent all my feelings you know to these 15 year olds that didn't know what they were doing and I liked the attention I always asked myself what was wrong with me I I thrived on the attention because I wanted his attention I wanted his attention and he was checked out yeah he was completely checked out. And I asked him, we all hung out outside all the time, and I'd say, come out with us, come out with us, come out with us, and he wouldn't. And so I was just like, whatever, fine. You know, and don't then, you know. Yeah. And so I just took an attitude, and, but anyway, sorry, go ahead. I don't know what I was going to say. So, anymore. yeah. Um, anyway, so we ended up moving back here anyway. Um, and it was really bad. <laughs> it was still bad for like eight months it took like we, we started going to a church and we started some counseling with the pastor and his wife and i don't know a couple months into our counseling they both came to us and said you guys are too far gone we can't help you we 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 suggest you guys go get professional help well we couldn't afford that and we were we were living around the corner up here and we were sitting on the porch one day contemplating our divorce and just talking about it and what we were going to do and how we were going to do it and we looked at each other go ahead well i said he he was 
we were talking about the girls, the Kether and Jordan, because they were the two that yeah. were home. And um, I said, well, how are we going to work it? Because the girls want to be with me. And, and we talked about how we would, you know, have visitation or whatever. And, and I said, I said, you know, I said, if I come over here and there's, I can't say what I said. No. But I said, if I come over here and there's this woman here or whatever, blah, 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 you know, I'm going to get violent. And he goes, well, why? And I said, well, because I love you. And so we both started crying. And then we're like, we're being dumb, you know. And all throughout the whole thing, the Holy Spirit was working, you know, on a both of our hearts, yeah. even though we both had problems still. And so... We, it took three years, literally took me three years of running to the altar at Restore. Um, every time they had an altar call, I ran up there as fast as I could because there was so much stuff on me and in me and attached to me. And this one kid had given me a bracelet, and I had to throw it away because every time I put it on, I felt something come over me. And I, I had attached myself to all these things that these kids had given me or had done or whatever. Yeah. And so, yeah. So fast forward some yeah, more. <laughs> so, yeah. so you guys got plugged in. Um, yep. You guys were at Restore yeah. uh, for over 10 years. Yeah. Uh, when it was still yes. Res Life. Yeah. Um, and you guys, you were leading the um, security ministry down there. Yeah. And you were plugged in. You were, you were cleaning and you were at the book table and just yep. various different ways. Um, and, and just served alongside of the pastor and his wife down there. Um, in different capacities, just to be a support to them. They were in the office um, all the time. Um, and then, I guess, kind of just jump to this last couple of years, and then we'll wrap this up okay. uh, for now. And so. So, yeah. so anyway, um, down there, I just, they get, just kept giving me more and more responsibility, continually. You know, I was over, like, three or four different ministries. I was over the security team. I was... Um, is that working? Yeah. Is it oh, working? Okay. 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 Anyway. Now, real um, quick, before you mm -hmm. say anything, this in no way, shape, or form is a, is a knock on Pastor no. John oh, nor, no. nor, nor no, Lisa Kraminski. No, um, no. We love them. No, we love them. Yeah, we love them. And we love that church. Um, and so yep. just yeah. wanted to bring clarity before they say but, anything at all. But there was. Still, everything going on in my life that I wasn't sharing with anybody, and um, I was working a job. I'd been there for like four years, four and a half years, and I was talking to somebody there, and we'd become. I don't even know what you want to call it. Basically, I had another affair. It was more of an emotional affair than anything else. That it never went anywhere as far as that goes. But we talked a lot. And it ended up, because of that, um, I got called in and terminated because of that. So I lost my job, and I had to come home and tell Carmen that. And that didn't go over well, as you can imagine. 
um, although it was different than it was the last time that something happened, her reaction was different. And the first month or two, everything was going pretty good. And then it started to go downhill again. And I couldn't, we, I couldn't forgive him. No. I couldn't forgive him, and I thought I had forgiven him from in 82. And then, you know, then the second time, I'm just like, not doing it. Not doing it no matter what. And then every time I'd go to the Lord, and I'd be like, what the heck? I've done everything. I've done everything there is to do. And then the Lord would be like, but you're 70 times 7. And I'm like, nope. And so then I would forgive him, and I'd, I'd feel so bad because I feel like he needed somebody all those years and I didn't know what was lacking. That I, because back, go back to the perfectionism, I wasn't meeting up to his standards. And I was still looking to him as my Jesus, even though I loved God and Jesus and I strived for that since I was 10. So things started to go downhill again. We were fighting continually again. And that went on for three or four years. I'd say three or three and a half years, mm -hmm. something like that after, after that situation. And I still not shared anything. I mean, we talked about what happened and all that, but um, then. I knew, it, I, just to say, I knew there was something bigger. She just knew under an underlying yeah. problem <laughs> that had been there all our life. I knew there was yes. there was a there was an elephant in the room, <laughs> you know, yeah. and you, you I could feel it. I could sense it, but he would deny anything that I would I would hit it right on the head every time, usually. But um, he would say no, 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 yeah. no, no. So I lied about it, and about eight months ago. Um, she found porn on my phone. And that, that's the underlying problem behind everything. I, I, I don't want to say that I was, in, well, I, I should say I was into porn since I was 11 and 12 years old, on and off. And I... I never considered it a problem. I always, I might look at it for a while, then I might go a month or two or a couple years and not look at it. But that is the underlying problem in my heart, in, in the problems that I had, that was the basis of it all. And I think he was always trying to do things to be a better man, like I'll try harder, I'll try harder, yes, I'll try harder on my own strength, on his own strength. I'll, I'll just, I'll just do something different that'll, that'll please me. Or, but it, it wasn't until probably two years ago when this last thing happened that he started actually turning. Um, not saying I still don't brow, browbeat the heck out of him sometimes, which is that perfectionism again, and that rear, you know, and pride. And I, and I would always ask God, why, why, why? I didn't do nothing. I didn't deserve this. I didn't deserve this. And I know the bottom line of why it all happened is God wanted me to look at him and not John. 
-hmm. he, he, he wants me to look at his face and seek his face. And I can honestly sit here today and say that I do not seek John's face anymore. I seek God's. And I know that if he wasn't here tomorrow, that I would be okay. And I never knew that before. I never knew that before. So that's, that's the hope that you have, I feel like, today. You, our hope is in Christ. It doesn't matter how bad we are, how dumb we are, how off base we get. Our hope is in Jesus Christ, and our hope is in his word, and studying his word. And John has changed, and he seeks his word now. He wants to be happy with me, but it's taken 39 years. So don't give up. No matter how bad it looks, no matter how bad you feel, don't give up. Because the Holy Spirit is working, and there is hope, and he does love us, and he will change a person. You, he cannot violate our will. He does not violate our will. He's not going to walk through and force you to straighten up. You got to choose. And we both chose. Yes. We both chose to start loving each other. And we both chose. And I mean, we had some knockdown drag outs. Literally. Literally. Yeah. And we chose. And we're both really committed. And commitment is above love when you're going through hard times. And the Lord is the whole center of all of it. I, um, I guess I just have one question, and then we'll kind of close up, and then actually allow for you guys if if you um, if you want uh, prayer um, or if you have questions or want to talk with them even further, they'll be up here and available. Um, you know, she, she, my mom kind of shared really where they're at um, and how you know they had to make a decision um, to get their life right. Um, to move in a direction that honored God and through honoring God honored their marriage. And um, there are many things that, you know, I want to sit um, and be able to say or, or many topics or sermons that we could speak off of different aspects of the things that they have shared today. Uh, but I believe um, there is there's one thing that I just want to kind of expound upon off of what you were just saying. Um, I've watched my mom and dad my entire life. Um, from the time that I can remember, uh, I've kept my eyes upon um, what they were doing and how they did it. Um, I shared with you guys on Father's Day uh, that my dad was my hero and I wanted to do everything that my dad did. And so we watch. And I, I don't know if this is the same for you, but if you're a parent, your children um, are watching you. Um, they will learn the lessons that you do not intentionally teach them. Uh, they will do the things that they see you doing. And I think one of the things that God has shown me through my mom and dad's life is not just commitment, um, but a recommitment to faithfulness. To faithfulness. When they fell, uh, they got back up and pressed in further. They pressed in even further. And I believe that through that, not only, have they, not only have they seen the faithfulness of God in their own lives individually, um, but they've seen the faithfulness of God um, in their marriage. 
I remember them coming and visiting after my dad lost his job, and they sat in our living room with us, and Bree and I, and my mom and dad, we just wept uh, because I wanted to help them, and I was like, I can't, I'm 1,200 miles away. Um, I can't, and God has allowed for us to come back to this place and, and to see growth and change. I said something a couple of weeks ago on Wednesday night, time, truth, and fruit will never, never lie. Time spent in the word of God produces godly fruit, and that godly fruit doesn't lie about who they belong to. And this, this couple, um, blessed is my heart um, to be able to see the godly fruit that has come even in the midst of failure, even in the midst of suffering and pain. Um, godly fruit has been produced because they've pressed into the word of God. And so I guess I would, I would just encourage us this morning um, no matter where you're at, no matter how far you, how far you feel like you've gone, uh, no matter how far uh, your spouse has gone or your child, no matter how much unforgiveness that you've held um, in your heart, um, my life verse, press towards the mark for the prize of the high calling that is found only in Christ Jesus, Philippians 3.14. When we press towards the mark, uh, we become uh, a people who are grace-giving. We become a people who are forgiving. We become mm -hmm. a people who are prayerful. We become a people who are grounded on the word of God. We mm -hmm. become a people who give of our time, talents, and treasures. We become a people who learn what it means to be content in the Lord not looking to store up treasures here upon the earth, ones that will, raw, uh, that will rust, the ones that will fade away. Our focus is now changed on something eternal, and I believe uh, that that's what God has done, and I believe that's what God wants us to see, is that when we remain faithful um, to him, uh, that an outpouring of that faithfulness comes. And I just want to um, bring Numbers chapter 6 to mind. Um, Numbers chapter 6 tells us um, that, that the Lord, the Lord's favor be upon you. It's a, a pastoral blessing that was given to the church. And it says that, that the God's favor would be upon you and that his face would shine upon you. And it says, in your children and your children's children and your children's children's children. It's a multi-generational blessing uh, for the one who follows after the truth of God. And because God has allowed my mom and dad um, to persevere and has given them the strength uh, to work through and begin the process of forgiveness, uh, we're seeing that come to fruition multi-generational down the road. They, they have multi-generations of kids, grandkids uh, that are pressing in to the Lord. Uh, grandkids that have prayed for salvation, ones that have been baptized, ones that have been seeking. And so every, every choice... Uh, that we make, and I'll just say this, and then we'll close, in, unless there's anything else you want to say. I got one little thing. Okay. Um, our life is not defined by all of the massive and big decisions that we make. Our life is defined by the millions and millions of tiny choices that we make every single day. And so, let us not forget uh, that we need the gospel moment by moment in this life. A moment by moment, we need the gospel. And so if you want to uh, say one last thing, I'm actually going to ask you guys to come down and I'm going to ask our prayer team to come forward. We're going to pray over our church family, uh, over marriages, over you guys, um, and then we're going to close us.
I was just going to say, um, Destiny's husband back there, Garrett, that's one good thing that came out of Florida. Yep. And the other one is Bree, <laughs> because if we had to gone there, then they wouldn't, they wouldn't have their spouses. And my decision when I saw him when he came in, he was cute. Um, <laughs> after all that happened, if I hadn't obeyed the Lord, we wouldn't have had five beautiful kids, and we wouldn't have 15 grandkids. If I had said no, and, can, yeah. and that, that would have been awful, an awful decision. So I'm thankful for those two things, and I think he had something. I don't know. but He has something on his that, mind still. I know that if, if it wasn't for her faith, I don't know where we would be. Because if she'd have left in North Dakota, I don't know what would have happened with me. I'm sure I'd have probably been married and divorced a dozen times. But her faith and then later my faith is what keep us. It's what keeps us. I know that when, when she found out about my problem back a few months back, it was, to me, it was like a ton of bricks lifted off me. And I, I feel completely different about everything. And uh, He's been healed about a, of a lot of things. So, anyway, that's it. Yeah, Israel, you can go ahead and mute their mics. If you guys would just come down here with me. Get the prayer team um, that is available. Um, if I could get you guys right up here to the front. There is something sacred in the word of God about marriage. Um, marriage is to be a picture of God's love for his children. Uh, marriage is a, um, a blessing. Um, and marriage is also one of the greatest tools of sanctification in this life. Uh, one that we don't always enjoy having, um, but one that is a blessing. Just come right up here. Um, whenever we have the opportunity uh, to see a marriage that has stayed together through pain and heartache and suffering, um, not only is it to be a celebration, but it is an opportunity for us to give glory to God that He prevails uh, through pain. That he prevails through trial. And so uh, not only are we going to pray uh, over this marriage, but we're going to pray over all marriages. And so if you are with your spouse here this morning, I'm going to ask that you would just please stand um, right at your seats. You don't have to come to the front. I'm not going to ask your name. I'm not going to give you a mic. Um, you don't have to tell me all your problems. It's totally cool. <laughs> uh, but if you're here with your spouse, um, I am going to um, lead us in prayer. And if you as a prayer team would um, stand in agreement with me, um, please, um, as well as you out there. I'm going to pray um, over marriages here, um, and then I will dismiss you. And so, um, Heavenly Father, uh, we come to you this morning, and we just thank you so much for um, this story that we heard today uh, that talks about your grace and your mercy, talks about your faithfulness in the midst of our unfaithfulness. 
um, a story that shows how the Holy Spirit moves in pain, uh, moves in our sinfulness. God, you are still working. And so, Lord, I, I ask for a blessing um, over John and Carmen this morning and, and their extended family. God, from the, from the head down, um, I'm asking for a blessing for their remained faithfulness to your truth, uh, for their remained faithfulness to each other, and being a picture of, of godliness to the people around them, even uh, when they failed, Lord. God, I thank you that um, in their humility, they can say, we have failed, but God has brought us back better. And so, Lord, we praise you and we thank your holy name uh, that you are a long-suffering God with us. God, we ask that you would continue to fill us with strength and patience, not, not just for this marriage, Lord, but for the marriages that are standing here, for the ones that are online, for the ones that couldn't be here uh, today, Lord. We're asking that you would help us to be the best representations of you to the people around us. That our love would, would be in action and not just because we feel like it, that we do it because we know it's right. Then that when we hurt each other, when we offend each other, when we fight God, that we would recognize our own sinfulness, we would recognize the sinfulness of our spouse, and that there would be reconciliation through acts of forgiveness. So God, I'm asking for these people here, whether they attend this church regularly or not, but that the lost and broken world would see the best picture of you through marriages. God, our culture, our society, Satan wants to break apart what you have ordained as a godly marriage. And so, Lord, I'm praying for marriages to rise up under the banner of Jesus Christ so that we can show others that there is hope in your Son. And so, God, give us strength. Help us to be a people that are ones who walk in humility but love mercy ones who are grace-filled. And so, Lord, that as people see us, your name is glorified greater than it already is, that your kingdom would expand through marriage. I pray for walls to be broken down in marriages that are hurting. I'm praying for bondage and chains that are holding spouses to addictions that are preventing marriages from being the perfect unity of your relationship with us, God. I'm praying for those bondages and chains to be broken in Jesus' name. I'm praying for men to rise up and become the spiritual leaders of their homes. I'm praying for wives who will walk alongside being the support for their husband as they lead families, as they lead kids and grandkids and spiritual children that they connect with God closer to you so that your name is proclaimed. God, I'm praying for mercy to reign upon our lives, God, so that we can be vessels used by you. Start right here in this room with these marriages. And I ask and pray these things now in Jesus' precious and holy name. Amen and amen, amen. and amen. amen. Church, we thank you for being here this morning. If you need prayer, we are up here and available to you. If you have any questions for John and Carmen there as well. Thank you guys for hanging tight with us. We love you. You are sent. Thank you guys.